KMTT, Kimitzion Tete Torah. You're listening to the Erev Shabbat program, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parashat Noach, Lamed, Tishrei, Rosh Chodesh, Mar Cheshvan, Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan, for those who prefer. And I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. I would uh, again like to apologize for the inconsistency throughout the Elulzman upon returning from Toronto. I was had difficulty adapting to my new schedule and KMTT slipped out a couple times and I apologize and I, and I hope that we can get back on track. As the Arab Shabbat program allows me to be a little bit flexible with what is discussed, I would like to discuss something that Perhaps we can say relates to this week's Parsha, relates to next week's Parsha as well, but mostly I think it is food for thought regarding uh, the recent burning of a mosque in Beit Fajar here in the area of Gush Etzion. Um, it's a issue which can bring out emotions on many different sides. And I think it's important to give us, give ourselves a little bit of perspective on how we relate to the other, how we relate even to the other who we believe is a sinner. And from there, to give ourselves a little bit of perspective on how we are supposed to relate to the events of this past week. When we go through the of Rosh Hashanah, we go through the Zichronot section. We have in the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, Malchuyot, Zichronot, and Shofarot. And Zichronot, on a certain level, is the more emotional part of the three. Malchuyot is more, I would say, exalting, maybe even euphoric. The crowning of God as a king and Shofarot has the aspect of Matan Torah on the one hand and the Kibbutz Galuyot, the Shofar Gadol of the future on the other hand. And Zichronot takes us to a place of emotion because we remember, as the final words of the Bracha say, Va'akedat Yitzchak Lazaro Hayom Berachamim Tizkor. Remember Akedat Yitzchak. Remember the suffering of the Jewish people in, in Egypt, we remember the, the, the breach that God has with Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov despite the times that we are mired in the Galut, in exile. And certainly one of the more emotional parts of the tefillah. It's important to note in that context that the first pasuk that we mention is and I'm reading I'm not reading I'm reciting from memory that the first pasuk that we mention that God remembers he is not remembering something to do with Am Yisrael or the Jewish people he's remembering mankind and, and the animal world. 
And it's a breed that he's remembering. That he has with them to save them. And God destroys humanity in the Mabul. But he remembers humanity. And we, the Jewish people, find it relevant despite our specific relationship with God as the Jewish people, we find it worthy. And the first thing that we mention, the first pasuk that we mention, is God's breed with humankind. And this is something which is important for us to say as the first step. The Jewish people are part of the human race. We are in a different position within the human race, but we are part of the human race. And therefore, in our intimate tefillah with God on Rosh Hashanah, we beg God to remember His relationship with humankind when He is judging the world. Because we are part of humankind as well. From here, and that, that of course relates to Parshat Noach, because we read Parshat Noach this week, and Parshat Noach is about the Jewish people too. Because even though it's about the entire human race, we are part of the human race. And God saved all of humanity. When He destroyed humanity, He saved the, the, the re, and He allowed for the renewal and revival of humanity by saving Noach. And Noach is the beginning of humankind. Later on, a sliver of humankind will, will become Am Yisrael. But again, as part of humankind and not as a separate entity that doesn't relate to humankind. From here I want to jump to next week's Parsha, Parsha Lech Lecha. Because it's one thing to say, how do, you re- how do we relate to the other? We relate to the other. There are fellow human beings. But maybe we draw the line when those fellow human beings are, in our opinion, sinners, evil. And then we look to Avraham Avinu. Next week's parsha and parsha Lechlecha. The Torah describes Anshei Stom, Ra'im v'chata'im l'Hashem me'od. They knew God, they're sinning towards God, and they did what they pleased. And we see what that is all about. We see how in Parshat Vayera, two weeks from now, after Parshat Noach, but in Parshat Vayera, we see what Ra'im v'chata'im l'Hashem me'od is. These people want to take the guests of Noach, take them out of his house, and rape them. Because that's what they do to guests. And it probably wouldn't be too presumptuous to say that Anshay Stom were Oved Avodah And if they were going to break down the door to get those people, I wouldn't be surprised 
if murder came easily to them also, and if, and if Lot got in their way, had the Malachim not intervened, they would have killed him, knocked down the door, and taken out the people, and done what they wanted. In the parallel story in Pilagish Bagiva, when the people of Geva do what the people of Stom wanted to do, they raped the Pilagish to death. It's not difficult to say that people of Stom, had they given, had had they had the opportunity, would have done the same thing. People who are steeped in Gilui Ariot, and I'm willing to bet good money in Avodah Zarah and Shvichut Damim, but mostly pure evil. People who want to take perfect strangers and ruin them and destroy them. And Avram Avinu, facing God, prays for the people of stone. He prays for them. Maybe there's something worthy of saving there. Maybe there's some spark of good there that is worthy of saving. And apparently there was a spark of good that was worthy of saving. Lot and part of his family. But they, they, their saving didn't need to impact the destruction of the cities. Was Avraham wrong? Avraham put things in, God, in God's hands. Maybe there's a spark of good here. Maybe it's worthwhile checking into again. And God says, I won't destroy I will not destroy the city if I find ten tzadikim. But God doesn't find ten tzadikim apparently. He finds even fewer than that. And he feels the need to destroy those cities. But God knows everything. And God knows what's right and what's wrong in the pure sense of the terms. God sees what we don't see. And therefore, God can determine that this city must be destroyed. We, as the sons of Avraham Avinu, must look and hope for the good in people and leave judgment up to God until God tells us to put the, commands us to enact judgment as he does perhaps with Amalek with Canaan but until then it's our responsibility to hope and look for the best in our fellow man and even in the sinner and even in the city of sinners and look to see how evil doesn't have to be destroyed but evil can be minimized by the good that exists and when that good doesn't exist we can depend on God to enact judgment We are living here in Eretz Israel with non-Jews. 
Some of them are good people. Some of them do not want to see our existence here. And it's a complex situation. They're It is unwise and un, on so many levels to take actions like these actions. And it is un-Jewish to take actions like these actions. There's no need to be apologetic about it. There's no need to say that this is not, tr- not a good idea because it's bad PR, which it is bad PR. And it's not a, it's not, you don't, there's no need to say that it's a bad idea to do this because it might bring vengeance on Jewish people and Jewish people might lose their lives because of this act of violence, which is also probably true. It is an un-Jewish action because this is not what Jews do. It was an un-Jewish action. We're starting a new year. Really, the new year only begins after the Chagim are over. Cheshvan, to a large extent, is the living of, the, of, of everyday life. And in the harshest sense of the term, because Cheshvan doesn't have a single Chag, we work, do day-to-day, every day we have Tachanun, every day we go to work, there are no breaks. And with all the different messages and emotions and feelings and lessons that we took in from Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot and Shemini Atzeret, Amongst them, this message of the centrality of humankind as a basis for the Jewish people that we discussed at the beginning. We go into this year, we try to live with these messages a regular everyday life. It's very hard for me, and I think I've said this in the past, to leave the sukkah, to leave the closeness to the, the... Ability to easily fulfill a mitzvah in the sukkah by just being there, by just sleeping there. And yet, we have to look forward and take the lessons and not just yearn for the next tishrei, because the next tishrei, I have a secret to tell you, is 13 months away. We've got a leap year coming up this year. We're not getting Tishrei back for a long time, and it is an exalting time. But our challenge isn't to come close to God in Tishrei. Our challenge is to come close to God with what we experienced in Tishrei, and feel God in Cheshvan, and Kislev, and Tevet, and Shvat, and Adar Aleph, and Adar Bet, and throughout the year. May we have much success in taking all of Tishrei, and letting it carry us throughout the day, the rigors of everyday life, of getting up in the morning, of going to work, of learning Torah, of davening, of keeping mitzvot, of loving our families and loving our children, and being good to the people in our surroundings, and being good to the people around us, and beyond, and our neighbors, and the other. May all of what we, all this guide us throughout the whole year. Shabbat Shalom.